another episode of Breaking Mayberry colon Bottle Episodes, the podcast that makes all of your wishes come true. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other one, Dan Ludwig. And I'm, I'm really just <laughs> yeah. swinging right off the bat, just making some promises that we cannot fulfill. <laughs> yeah, no, it was that was a challenging introduction. <laughs> Uh, and with us today, helping us in on wish fulfillment is... Really just leaning into that. I'm gonna. <laughs> Kaylani Pomisano, who is a contributing travel and food editor with USA Today's 10 Best, and the host of WHYY's Check, Please, Philly, which premieres in January on our local PBS affiliate, if you're in the Philly area. Yeah, and if you're into the Philadelphia dining scene, or if you're going to be traveling into the area, it will also be streaming on the PBS app. Oh, that's true. Hell yeah. Yeah. Which I, I love that PBS app. Oh, me I, too. I have a uh, PBS Compass membership watching that Ken, Ken Burns uh, country music. Good to know. Oh, I'm so glad that you're a PBS member. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be in the company of Ken Burns. That's, I know. Yeah. It truly is an honor. Like, I do want to watch the world learn. So I'm kind of excited to be part of, like, the PBS universe, <laughs> which is, like, that. that it's really uh, – it's – it's proud. I'm proud. You're in the PCU. You're in the extended universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The like the Philly. Whenever like any of those characters come to the Philadelphia world, I like make a cameo. Yeah. Did, did Bill Nye come to your house and like in the middle of the night and welcome you into the the learning? Uh, that initiative, is precisely the how it happened. That's how I found out I got the job. <laughs> no, it was more like the producer called, but I was expecting Kadoba because I had ordered out lunch, and so I thought it was the guy delivering Kadoba, and I answered. To the phone and was like, oh, I thought you were the Kadoba delivery guy. <laughs> oh, hang on. Th- thank you for thank you for the job. Uh, I've got Kadoba on the other line. They're oh, wait, right like, yeah, hang on. I, actually, Hold I think on. He, he buzzed in and I made my husband like run out <laughs> to go like grab the food while I was on the phone with the producer. So, so tell us about the show. Yeah, so the show, uh, Check Please Philly, is where we get Three regular people from all over the Philadelphia area, from like New Hope down to Delaware, out to the burbs of Pennsylvania into South Jersey. And they come on the show. They recommend a restaurant that they really, really love. It can be a place that they, you know, have gone on a date to or a place that they grew up with or maybe just like a food truck that they go to on their lunch break. And then we all try that place and then we discuss on the show so there's 13 episodes it was 39 restaurants and 39 very passionate foodies that came on and it was it was a delight Sounds fantastic. This sounds like the purest way to really express the Philadelphia food scene. It truly is because yeah. the people that come on, we we really do a good job of like bringing in people who would not normally sit at a table together because we all do. We sit at a table in the studio. We're from all different corners of the area. We have like different jobs, different backgrounds, and yet we can all come together and talk about food because it's like such a universal experience. But one of my favorite parts is because I am a food industry professional. I work in food media. I'm a food editor. I love having conversations with real people about food where their perception of food is not confined to the rules of food media. Like they are really just like, it, it's however it hits them. And it's just fun to, fun to be there. You've got 13 episodes done for this oh, first yeah. season. Oh yeah. What's your favorite moment of this first season? What should I be watching for? I like- have so many amazing moments we had like uh 
a university professor come on who was like a wine aficionado and he started off like he didn't want to be on the show like when he came into the studio but then as he's drinking wine which we do have wine and we do drink while we're you know which is really like kind of risque for you like for PBS right (laughs) you had a stuffy wine aficionado on that slowly loosened up he had like a comical mustache too (gasps) which just yeah tune in tune in yes it was so good but like he elbow patches a tweed jacket elbow patches I think he actually did have elbow patches (laughs) which is funny because it was like not the outfit he came into the studio with he changed into that outfit (laughs) wardrobe put him in there wardrobe was like you know you you don't look professorial enough it just grew on him like he the second he was like I'm a wine aficionado it just like poofed onto him (laughs) yeah he like really loosened up it was so much fun like but he really like hated this one place he called this one dish he said it tasted like dishwater soap and i was or like dishwater and i was like were you drinking dishwater why do you know this that's really specific um but yeah that was like one moment but we also have um an opera singer came on shared his talents with us we had a magician which blew my mind i thought the magic was going to be bad but it's actually really good did did you take the opera singer to the opera cafe to victor cafe i can't tell you you'll have to tune in and see okay quick quick note there is a uh a cafe in south philly called victor cafe all of the wait staff are trained opera singers they will sing like every 20 minutes or so they'll do a quick performance uh, for you i took my girlfriend there for her for her birthday uh it's also the uh location of adrian's restaurant in the later rocky and the creed movies great place i absolutely love it that's my recommendation yes yeah uh, point for marty to edit out just really quick off mike where did the magician want to go oh um Oh man, no! I'm not gonna tell you. Okay, tune in. Tune right. in. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> okay, but but it's on the record now. <laughs> Fuck. Today, today we are not talking about. I expected you to pick a more food heavy episode, uh, but today we are discussing. I dream a genie. This, uh, is, this episode has some food. It mentions food offhand. There are banquets are mentioned and described <laughs> in depth. <laughs> So we are talking about season two, episode fifteen. Originally airs December nineteenth, nineteen sixty six. Genie breaks the bank. Yes. Directed by Hal Cooper. Written by Sidney Sheldon. I'm going to do the one sentence summary from Wikipedia as I always do. Uh, this is a weird one. Um, <laughs> Genie puts three million dollars in Tony's bank account for fear they cut off ears. Yeah, <laughs> that's the description. That's the description. <laughs> I mean. Yes. Yeah, she was, like, really worried about the uh, earless Abdul was his name. Mildly racist. Yeah. Smidge racist. (laughs) I mean, that was slathered on. (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll get into that. So, Kate, why did you pick this episode? We did guest choice. Uh, Yeah. Actually, so the question I had up top is, like, what we were talking before we started recording about how you sort of see these as, like, time capsules. Like, you really like Hanna-Barbera and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And just, like, general overarching... What are your What's your impression of I Dream of Genie? Like it's it's crazy because it's like I, and I'm sure a lot of people our age like tuned into Nick at Night, and that's mm. how we came into like that's how we know about things like I Love Lucy, mm. The Monsters, like any of those old programming. And I Dream of Genie was kind of in that lineup, right? Right, right. Yeah. And you, yeah. you, you always get a little bit of confusion too because you don't 
when it's all put together like that, you don't realize that I Love Lucy was on the air like a full 15 years before. Oh, yeah. And it blew my mind. I remember sitting and watching one I Love Lucy episode, and she's like, oh, 49 or 48 states. And I was like, 48 states? (laughs) Oh, excuse me, grandmother. But aren't aren't there 50? And, like, that's when I learned that, like, there is – in relative time like we didn't start out with 50 yeah. states like the states just kind of like were added on as time went on oh that that becomes a big plot point on i dream of genie later they're just like hawaii's in a state now come and check out hawaii with us they, wow. they have like three hawaii travel episodes oh my goodness like, i you know i think i vaguely remember that but yeah trying to pick which episode going into like why i picked this episode um i actually used to work in banking like i work in editorial right now but i have a business degree and i worked at pnc bank while going to college for three years and during my college you know, career was also during the financial crisis. So rather than get scared of that, I was like, I'm going to invest in the (laughs) stock market because it was so volatile back then, but everything was at like a really like hardcore low. I mean, I bought Ford, I bought GE. I think I like, I remember buying Ford at like $2 and some change a share, but I also invested in like Fannie and Freddie Mac, which were like one of the, like two rather of like the companies that had been, um, not like blamed for the like housing crisis, <laughs> but like partially had like a hand in it. But I was like, these are at all times lows, and the government's not going to let them fail. Accurately why blamed. You, we'll say that. Why didn't I see coming that there would be no consequences whatsoever for these companies? <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but you know, I was I I started trading when I was eighteen. I got like a little share builder account. It was through ING at the time, which um, the share builder accounts had been acquired by. Uh, capital one in recent years but it was through ing it was online and i just like worked really hard at pnc bank i was getting a business degree i was getting bloomberg mm-hmm. um every business week every week yeah, as like a subscription ma- a magazine subscription so like i really had at that time my like fingers on the pulse of like the stock market and so like i'm not gonna lie i actually did like pretty well to the point where i actually moved to germany for a while and just day traded like that's and i i actually well i was going to school too so i was like going to business school in germany trading on the stock market i lived like in a castle which was like where my school was and i treated this castle like it was just my house like i'd go to my german class which was in the basement which was a nazi bunker i'd like do my laundry down the hall and then i'd show up in class in my slippers because i was like this whole castle i live here this is my house I live here. Okay, so the we, episode we, we, is canceled because we're just talking about this now. Did you say bunker? A Nazi bunker? Hang on, hang on. No, yeah, of course. Dance, the episode, the show is canceled. We can't have anyone else on the show anymore. We've already hit our most <laughs> interesting guest. We're all done. All right, we're going to go through this castle room by room, starting with the Nazi bunker. <laughs> That's, Did, that was in the basement. That was it. It was laundry and At what my point do you class. fight Mecca Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> You and didn't w- and look at which... this and be like, this is going to be so friggin' haunted? Oh, yeah. Well, like, there were stories because, like, you know, a lot of um, German castles are also built on old Roman ruins. So there was actually, like, a Roman um, graveyard in our courtyard where we would, like, have lunch. So, like, there yeah. were legends. I never experienced anything. I lived in the attic of this place. But, like, I didn't, you know. Yeah, there yeah. were. I didn't see any ghosts. I mean, I guess, like, with 
the career that you had, you did have the time to go on a quest to slay an ancient evil. Like, oh yeah, it would have it fit in. I okay. had a great time, but yeah, day, anyway. day traders are never the hero of the movie, and there's a reason for <laughs> hey, that. Hey, you know, I did pay my taxes, which I did learn a valuable lesson about, you know, capital gains tax and the difference between <laughs> short term capital gains and long term capital gains. Was, was the valuable lesson you learned that you don't really need to pay the taxes? No, 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 no. I was a good American citizen. I actually would like skype my accountant from germany and just like i i did i paid my taxes from another country and you know eventually came home having <laughs> lived quite well had fun this went in so so you were like <laughs> she's not we're not gonna have any like be able to talk in her expertise because uh we're not we're not talking about food no, and we're, out, we're so insanely in your wheelhouse no, no, I, I, that's like because I, I, I like this episode yeah. i loved like the history of banking like we were talking about earlier about how like a lot of these programs are time capsules yeah. and it was just so cool to see like oh how was banking done before there were computer yeah. programs that were keeping like logs of people's accounts like you really had to go to one bank you had your branch that you had to go to that's where your physical account was like at pnc like i can travel all over the eastern seaboard Mm -hmm. and as long as there's like a pnc or like a wawa or something like i can just like withdraw my money like remotely or whatever and you know so that was like a really interesting thing for me to see was like oh this is how like banking used to be done you had to go to a filing cabinet and pull out someone's like punch card and they yeah. didn't. They didn't really do like credit checks when you were applying for a loan. It was just like oh, it was an interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah which I, I, I we'll get into it. We'll, yeah, we, yeah, we, we'll build we, up. We, to we, it. we should run we'll get into this. <laughs> Normally, I get mad when we take too long to get into the actual episode. Sorry. Nope, nope. At this point, screw it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Not this <laughs> time. <laughs> this is an extremely weird episode. Yeah, it's gonna get weird. Did, did, did you, so far, did this you... is the weirdest like episode of I Dream of Genie that we've gotten into. Just because the inner psychology happening. That's in like this my episode. goal. I yeah. want to be first off. I want to be the weirdest PBS host. Yeah, I, I want to be the weirdest like food personality. But I want to be your weirdest guest. This is what I. Congratulations, <laughs> you've done it. Nazi bunker. You 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 beat out the woman who wrote the pickle book. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, that book that book is pretty brilliant. Though. Just uh, you lived in a castle. Right now you are like a thing. I'm still wrapping my head around. I actually bought a onesie specifically so that I could run around in that castle wearing the onesie. There's somewhere on Facebook many moons ago of me wearing that onesie. I still have that onesie. You didn't do like the the Scrooge nightshirt. Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely just be yeah. rocking a giant like bed shirt and a little. Hat with, with a tassel at the end. Cap. A yeah. cap, a cap with a tassel, uh, and then look. just having a candle as you walk around at night, going, "Who's there? Show yourself." <laughs> okay, uh, what question about the episode? Did you like this episode of I Dream of Genie? I did. Yeah, I, I did like it. I it was kind of bizarre. I did not. Did you not? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I I will find good things about anything that I watch, no, or like th- th- I'll try to be positive <laughs> in all respects. But um, I, from from the description that I read of the episode, not gonna lie, I did kind of like from the Wikipedia link that you had given me. It was like I searched for food, and this came up because she racks up an insane food bill, yeah. and he can't buy a uh, a boat with his friend Roger, right? Right. Yeah. Sim- the lowest stakes, 
like episode of TV ever created. <laughs> you know what? All right, I I, I kind of cheated. I did not read the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. I, I read what it said on Google. This is oh, the one. No sen- this is the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. I'm I'm apologizing Somehow to the listeners. Somehow our fans will yeah. survive. Yeah, Be- this is the one from from Wikipedia. Because Jeannie has run up a staggering food bill, Tony is unable to join Roger in buying a sailboat. Jeannie goes to the bank with Tony to help in quotation marks borrow money for his share. Right, and I, I felt like within the first few seconds of the episode, I was kind of it weirded out. I was like, wow, they really launched right into yeah. the main plot point of this episode, which usually I feel like there's like a build-up. Yeah, they never do an opening joke. Yeah. Well, no, no, I, I would argue the exact opposite. I would argue they always do an opening joke, and I go, ha, that's a cute opening joke. I wonder what the episode's going to be. And then it turns out that that opening joke is the episode, and I go, oh, oh, really? That's, yeah, that's I was kind of weirded out. I was like, is that it? Was that the whole episode? But then it, you know, it, you know, ramps so, up later right, on. So let, let, let's describe what actually happens. Yeah, let's here. get so, into it. Uh, first scene, we are at the house. Tony is uh, wandering around. He's looking for Jeannie, and she pops up and says that she was sleepy uh, because she made a really big dinner last night. Yeah, mm-hmm. which. Again, we've always it's always been like very confusing what Jeannie's physical limitations are because she's a god. Yeah. Uh and this is already getting off the foot of like, wait, why? You're magic. Why are you sleepy? This whole scene is just a series of like, wait, what why? Like Also too, like, oh gosh, what's what's the main character? The the Tony. astronaut. T- Tony? Tony. Yeah, Tony. Okay, sorry, Tony. Tony walks in. He's the in. most forgettable human imaginable, <laughs> so it's fine. I'm actually like really bad at names on like movies, television mm. shows, like all of it. Like I could watch a whole season of something and just like not know the main characters' names, but and I'll just like <laughs> describe them when, when oh. but Tony, the um the astronaut, he walks in and he's like, Jeannie, you're calling for Jeannie. And that's when I remember the bad jump cuts. So oh, like, yeah. Because they had to, like, they had to freeze, stop the cameras, and then Jeannie would, like, pop in. But there's always, like, a minuscule move. Yeah, like, like, like his hair moves or something like that. Right, yeah. 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 And, and this whole show is basically, like, they invented the jump cut. And they were like, we can make it look like stuff is magically appearing and disappearing. <laughs> Let's make an entire TV show based on Five years. That. Five yeah. seasons out of this. <laughs> Five seasons out of this and Barbara Eden being hot. That's yeah. all. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, too, the whole debacle of, like, she couldn't show her belly button on television. Do you remember this? No, but now that I mention it, she doesn't show her, her button. Like No, it, like, it, this was, like, wasted. apparently, like, a big thing with the network. Like, it would have been too risque for her to show her belly button. So, like, the networks were like, no, you really need to, like, cover it up. So you never really see her belly button. And there's even, like, I remember reading an interview with her, and she said that, like, there's an episode where they go to the beach, probably one of the Hawaii episodes. Yeah. And there's other women in two-piece bikinis, and you see mm-hmm. their belly buttons, but Jeannie, Jeannie is in a onesie, oh, or like you, a one piece. Uh, you know this what? Hang is... on, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend this decision. Okay. Jeannie doesn't have a belly button because Jeannie doesn't have an umbilical cord. Ooh. Is that? Did she... Jeannies don't give live birth? Did she? Like... It's a Kyle XY situation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. right. I'm referencing Kyle XY. So it XY. wasn't controlling women's bodies and misogyny. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, yes, it was, Giddy-giddy. but there was an in-universe reason for it. <laughs> You're kind of giving me, like, a Kaiser Sose, like, flashback realization because I distinctly remember, like, watching this as a kid and being like, whoa, a show with a belly button. <laughs> like, and even we were watching this and I was like, and I'm just like, um, like, I'm remembering her as having a belly button and then, like, the entire time I'm going through, like, I never saw a single belly button. I just kind of assumed that was it's it. Mandela effect. Dan's having a Berenstein, Berenstein, Berenstein. Yeah. <laughs> was, was there a movie called Shazam? We'll never know. I kind of just, like... 
I, I just assumed there was a belly button there so much that I never actually looked. I just looked at the way she was dressed, and I was like, yeah, she's dressed like Jasmine from Aladdin, so I'm assuming there's probably a belly button there. I'm not going to check. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten into the first few seconds of this. Episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so uh, they they talk about this meal. Kay, do you have written down what was on the meal? There was like, yeah, I, I meant to go back and like I just watch because they rattled it off. Caviar. Yeah, there was caviar, champagne. Um, it was a really elaborate, illustrious meal that seemed to be multiple courses with an extravagant creme brulee dessert at the end. Yeah, correct. Right. And she had to cook all of it manually. I yeah. guess, like, or, or, or that's what women do, or, or, or at least, or at least Tony didn't put much thought into how the food got to his table. No, he didn't yeah. consider this one bit. <laughs> no, no, because because he just assumes that she magicked it up, which is why when he like he says something like, "My food bills are so much cheaper now that you're yeah. here." I, you know, I, to be, this this bill, like uh, before you showed up, this bill that I'm about to open would have been a hundred dollars, and now thanks to you, it's and it looks down like uh, one thousand two hundred dollars. Oh no! Yeah, like, it it was over like a thousand dollars in in a food bill, which I, I'm unclear. Was she charging it to an account like a credit yeah, card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's how it went. It's like you had your local market and you had like a charge account there before oh, the credit card. Oh, okay. So, so it was a bill, just like your utilities or like oh, anything. Else. Yeah. Okay, it really sounds kind of nice. It sounds convenient. I mean, no, I feel like that would be be way too easy to overspend. Like if that's you're not what we're doing right oh, now. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. just like oh, let's not think about like buying stuff. Like with ease, the easier it is to buy stuff, the less you're thinking about the money leaving. And like to have a charge account like that, you're you're not seeing the transaction happening. The show did just literally give me a very clear reason why I don't <laughs> want this, and I was still like, "That sounds nice." Like, <laughs> I, but I I did the math on everything else but this, so I'm going to check. What's his 1967? I think. And eighty, let's say a, a twelve hundred dollar bill. This that is a nine thousand two hundred and twenty four dollar bill in today money. In today money, wow. Jesus Christ! That is a that is nearly a ten thousand dollar dinner that he ate. That the best part is like this entire show is them like really struggling to figure out how to have steaks when one of your like characters is just like the great kazoo from Flintstones <laughs> and can just create anything. And mostly it's around like. Just it, Tony being an absolute lunatic and yeah. having very weird reasons for what he wants to do. And this is like, oh, no, actual steaks. Jeannie has just been buying food for him for some reason. So now Tony's going to be destitute. And instead it's just like, oh, man, I can't buy a boat I wanted to buy. Right. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. Not worried about rent or yeah. whatever. Like, I don't know if he owns his house and he's got a mortgage or whatever. But yeah. like... It specifies that he has a mortgage in this Oh, episode. okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. When With the interview with the loan officer. But, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's fi- not like, I'm ruined. He's just like, oh, man, I got to wait. I was supposed like... to buy a boat today. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I was going to save this uh, until later, but I did some research, right? I Because... This the premise of this basically is that Tony is living paycheck to paycheck, or that he just can't like he just can't buy a boat. So, well, let's let, let's do this first. Uh, so Tony realizes that he he and his friend Roger were going to go in halfsies on a boat, and now he can't afford to do that because uh, he was going to buy a boat. And Jeannie's like, "Oh well, here's a boat," and just makes a boat appear in the living room. Yeah. And uh, with wind effects somehow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where I was like, why is it outside suddenly? <laughs> to yeah. the point that someone had to go, Jeannie, turn off the wind effects. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now Tony's whole thing is like he can't buy a boat and he doesn't want this boat. 
because he does he part of the fun of this was saving up the money and working, and, for, and working it. for it. But you Would, didn't mind like not paying for your food? Yeah. What that's the f- that's what blew my mind. Like where it's like he's entitled to the food, an yeah. extravagant meal, of which he's just like, Well, I don't have to work hard for my meal. Jeannie just brings it to me. Yeah, it was fine when it was like the woman making the meal. I this is a good place to launch it as any. I don't understand the inside of Tony's head. I understand a dog's brain more than I can understand His, this. Like, character yeah mid-century man logic yeah because it's like even the most like hardcore capitalist like sweat of your brow earn my money person no one wouldn't be like hell yeah free boat oh yeah and he even made the joke of just like oh when roger comes so roger comes and he's like oh we're ready to buy a boat today and you know Tony's like, well, I can't today. And he's like, well, what happened to your money? And he makes the joke, well, apparently I ate it. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You spent money on food, my dude. That's <laughs> and, how that shit goes. Like, and his specific explanation is the only thing that's fun about a boat is working for it and saving up for it and getting to buy it. Because right. he, he wants the boat as a status symbol, basically, to show I'm the kind of motherfucker well, that can buy a boat. It's, it's like I worked the, hard. I bought a boat. It's like that yeah. app that was in the app store that cost like $1,000 and all it did was yell i'm rich yeah yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah no it's the dumbest thing no one has ever like no matter how like into like capitalism and like and and buying stuff and earning stuff it is no one ever thinks the fun part is the buying thing yeah no, no, no one no one thinks that it's fun to buy a car it's ha- it's fun to have a car yeah like, right it's fun to have the boat to sail the boat also to, well that's the i don't even know how much fun a boat would be because you have to maintain it there's like docking fees like yeah, the whole it's that, that was the other really thing, stressful right? like like it seemed like all that they put into it was the initial purchase but like you have to pay for other stuff on a boat boats yes. are, are expensive they're an investment should point out Somewhere halfway through this conversation was the title sequence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a very weirdly cut in title sequence because, like, they do – she makes the boat appear and Tony's like, what? And then Jeannie is like, do you like it, Matt? And then just cut to the title sequence. Ba, and, then it, ba, ba. and then it comes back and she's like, stir? <laughs> it's such a weird insert on it. And, yeah, and then once again, I'm sitting there at home going, that was a cute opener. All right, yeah. she made a boat. I wonder what they we're going to do for the rest of Oh, nope, we're just continuing this scene. Okay. This is the episode. Also – off of the boat logic not making sense, who goes half-seas on a co-worker, on a boat with a co-worker? People who don't want to be friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. ruin your friendship. Yeah. Like, he's not even, like, his best friend. He's just a dude he works with. That I, he I, seems think, to I think Roger's his best friend, with. or his only friend, really. I think only due to proximity. Just I think because they're fair. in space together all the time. <laughs> oh, true. Right, because yeah. they just do their weekly Thursday space <laughs> This this show does not totally understand what an astronaut does on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Nor does it understand what an astronaut makes. So I went and looked this up because I was trying to figure out – because the whole premise is that, like, uh, Tony's well off, but he's not making, like, ridiculous He's not making boat money. He's not making boat money. He's got to go in with his friend going boat money. And I was sitting there going, I feel like an astronaut would probably make boat money. (laughs) So I looked it up. I looked up, A, what a major in the Air Force makes, because he is. He's a major. uh, Which was surprisingly low, actually. Uh, A major in the Air Force actually only makes about, like, 55, 60,000. Public servants. But once you hit 18, it jumps up to about 75. It hit 18 years Mm -hmm. of service. It jumped up to about 75,000. And he might be knocking on that door. I don't know how to- how old Tony is, but if he went in right after high school, he might be knocking on that door for that raise. But then I looked up, would you like to guess today, today in 2019, what the starting salary is for an, a NASA astronaut? 
Ooh, maybe like, oh gosh, is it like surprisingly high or surprisingly low? Surprisingly low. Thirty-five thousand. Higher than that. Okay, <laughs> like some entry it's, level. It's, position. it's higher than an administrative assistant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, They're I in mean, it for the love of the game. I f- <laughs> yeah, I feel like like an astronaut should make like a lot of money just because it's a very dangerous well, yeah. job. That, that, that was my thought too. It was like I've never looked into how much money astronauts make because that's not a job you do for the money. You get it. You do it because you get to Maybe. go to fucking space. No, because yeah. if you do a bad job of being an astronaut, your eyes explode in the vacuum of space. That's true. So I need compensation for that. So the, the starting salary for a NASA astronaut today yeah. is $66,000. Okay. Which is not bad, but I think I real low. I like six figures for yeah. being you, launched you, into you a can, rocket into space. You can get up to six figures. Seasoned astronauts make about $140,000, mm-hmm. uh, But yeah, $66,000 for starting, I think, is incredibly low. But... I know people who work from home who make more than that. But... Yeah. But then I went and looked up what an astronaut made during the space race. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, which obviously that was made more. So uh, specifically, uh, Armstrong, uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and, and uh, Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil Armstrong got like twenty nine thousand uh, dollars in that point, which you're making a face, but that's the equivalent of one hundred ninety thousand dollars today. Oh my goodness! Uh, and uh, Buzz Aldrin and uh, Michael Collins made about one hundred twenty. And it's probably because, like that, during that time, the space race and these these people who were public figures, right? They were they were made to they were like marketing devices almost to sure. show they were the all American. Men, uh, they were heroes. Like children wanted to aspire to grow up to be them, and they were figures of like this is you know America's ability to like build rockets and get to the moon first. And yeah, yeah. One, it's, one it's interesting still weird that people recognize Tony in this. Like you're that astronaut. Yeah, the loan officer later on is like, oh, you're the astronaut. We're gonna talk about Sorry. that because I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> Go ahead. What, one more interesting tidbit about this: uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins. NASA didn't have life insurance at that time. <gasps> oh no, they didn't have life insurance, so they were going into fucking to the fucking moon. Yeah, and they were, so the way they got around and this the KGB was KGB was probably trying to assassinate them like all the time. Right, right, oh, right. Man. So yeah. the, the way they got around that, or what they decided to plan was, uh, they just before the the launch, signed their name on a bunch of things, did a bunch of signatures, and just gave them to their wife, their wives. Oh, wow. They, they didn't all just, well, three people have one wife, no. They gave, to, <laughs> they gave it to their wives and were like, if we die, sell these signatures. That's how you're going to be taken care of wow. for the rest of your life. And some of those signatures still exist and go at, at auction today. So, That's incredible. It's honestly a pretty good plan. It's a, it's yeah. a solid plan. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let's get back into I Dream of Genie. So, Tony can no longer afford to buy a boat, and Genie's like, oh, well, here, here's some gold. She just makes gold coins appear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Tony says, no, you misunderstand. I want to buy this with my own money. Almost like a kid saving up their allowance. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I bought this video game with my money, Dad. You can't tell me. To... <laughs> I got this with my paper route. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell me to stop playing Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, no. It's it, like he wants to, like if Jeannie gave it to him, then she can take it away at any point in yeah. time or something. For all of this, Roger is like, I'll, no, I'll take it. Like, if you don't want the boat, just, I'll, you don't have to like send it back into the void. Just give it to me. Yeah, yeah. Guy who understands how this works. I, I, I like I like how so much of I Dream of Jeannie is based around this idea that Tony, who has the coolest job in the world and has a magic sex maid, is still 
fucking miserable because he's a stupid tool. <laughs> magic, magic live-in girlfriend. I think sex maid is... Yeah, that's a relationship is like it's it's it is kind of defined because like we'll of course get into it later, but there is like a mention of like, oh, she's just a really good friend of mine, and the loan officer's like, oh, well, you see that a lot around Cocoa yeah. Beach. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, okay, that was creepy. I I want to get to the banker because oh. I want to hear you do that voice some more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so 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 absolutely crushed the impression. <laughs> You're actually really good at impressions. <laughs> you nailed that guy. That was good. So, so Tony has this like natural response, like, "Oh, what am I doing? I can just go borrow the money from the bank." Yeah, because I'm a white guy and should have no problem with this whatsoever. Oh, the things that he sees himself like entitled to. He's entitled to the food, and then he's entitled to just like what weirdly seems like free money. Like everyone's kind of like treating these the, loans like free money. Yeah, this, yeah. This, this show doesn't seem to understand how a loan works. The show doesn't seem to understand that you have to give that money back. Yeah, there was no talk of like interest rate no talk about like payment plans like only like this bizarre interview which i'll let you genie does not want to let tony go to the bank because her only experience with loans comes from earless abdul yeah a guy that she knew who uh was not always earless but then he took out a loan at the pump the first at the bank, first of, bank of, pompeii. of pompeii which is in italy yeah <laughs> there is no one named abdul in pompeii want to point yeah. that one out I also, love that it's, it's like, an extremely formal name for an like an ancient bank of like it might as well be like like the Osiris Credit Union or something <laughs> like it's so formal it's so dumb. Oh, but this, this bit is real fucking racist like it yeah is, it is some straight up like original verses of Arabian Nights from Aladdin racist. This is where you realize that like the genie character is ripped straight out of like the exoticism of yeah. like Persia and the exoticism of like the Middle East. Yeah, it's honestly it's one of those things where I can't tell if it's I can't tell how much they knew that this was wrong because it seems like it's so like bafflingly stupidly racist that I'm like we see it now because we have like the language to discuss this. But back then there weren't, you know, I think the studies around cultural appropriation didn't really come up until a couple decades later. I think it was like the late seventies, early eighties is like when you first start seeing scholars studying that, like, don't Mm -hmm. quote me on it, but it is like kind of before that period of time. Okay. Uh, It gets to the point where it's like, do you guys know where the Middle East is? Yeah. Because they seem to be very confused on, like, they seem to think it's, like, so sometimes it's in Europe and sometimes it's in, like, Asia, like, yeah. like Northern Asia or something. It's very weird. The The exotic fetishism is so in the weeds that it's it's baffling like. yeah and i guess it's like uh, people like saw it as like an art fo- like uh, they saw the art form of it and just totally glossed over the cultural elements and used them as weird like plot devices yeah. and yeah it just the whole thing is like really icky yeah. but i do appreciate the warner brothers take on it where it's like these are what was of the time Mm -hmm. and for us to like remove it or ignore it would be like us ignoring that it actually happened so contextually like we do need to understand like this is the way people fought Mm -hmm. and i guess in a way like there's still we still got to go like a far way but like we've kind of come really far from this moment in i dream of genie with earless abdul they keep making the earless abdul joke too yeah i thought it was just gonna die off and be referenced once but she references it 
a lot. Yeah. So, so, so Jeannie wants to go to the bank. She's never been to a bank in Cocoa Beach where they live. So she's never seen it before. So she's like, can I go to the bank? So now uh, she all of a sudden understands finances and money. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Major Healy, Roger is going to leave. So he opens up the door to a beautiful painting of some trees outside. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says that Major Bellows is coming in. And so Major Bellows comes in. Uh, who's always the guy who's just like, oh, I'll get you, he's, Tony, for some reason. He's uh, the Elmer Fudd of this show. Oh, basically. yeah. Like, yeah, he yeah, really yeah. has it out for Tony for some reason. And he, he, and he comes in. What, what, what we figured out is, like, he's the psychiatrist of, oh. he's like NASA's psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And he's always like, Tony, you're doing some weird stuff. I got to make sure that you are physically like and mentally fit to go into space. Oh, yeah. Major Bellows is just doing his fucking job. Well, it, it does seem like he doesn't like Tony very much and like also he, screw Tony. I'm I'm team Bellows. It's it's unclear if he thinks Tony is crazy or if he thinks Tony has a magic girlfriend. It's like Yeah, what, I don't know. They, so, I don't that's know like hard to hard to tell. So so Bellows comes in and he's like you've got a boat in your living room. Last week you had an apple tree in your living room. Oh yeah. Do you want do you want to explain this shit to me? And Tony's response should be, No. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> You're it is in liter- my home. You're it, not my dad. It's literally yeah, wait, none he, he of your business. He barges in completely uninvited. Yeah. yeah it's literally zero percent of your business. Like NASA doesn't pay for this home. I pay for this home. It's none of your goddamn business what's in my yeah. house. And like most of this episode should be Tony just saying, No, fuck you to Bellows. Yeah. He brings Bellows in. Jeannie magically turns herself into a bearded Swedish man. That was bizarre. <laughs> Which yeah, is a weird I don't think moment. it was like necessary. No, she, she... could have just disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> she does it numerous times. And then Tony looks at uh, looks at him and says uh, that Jeannie's name is Pedro. And then Bellows is like Pedro, and he goes Pedro Sven. Incredibly, again, just just, just steering, pulling out tropes. Just, just yeah, just really bizarre. Into some nice racism with just this really bizarre. weird bit. This show can't do anything good with Pedros. We saw that in the last episode too. Oh yeah, they skidded into the racist Mexican garden oh, thing. Oh no! Yeah, they, with the, like they they had like like a Speedy Gonzalez music happening in the background. Oh, it was bad. That's yeah, that's, yeah, that's gross. <laughs> um. So anyway, as always, Bellas comes in. And it's like this is some weird shit that I don't want to have to deal with. Bye. And then yeah. he, he pieces out. <laughs> like, like half of this character is just showing up to remind you that he's the antagonist and then leaving. He, he like does. always senses that there's something fishy going on. Very like fairly odd parents with the teacher. Yeah, Only yeah. he doesn't oh. specifically know that there's like. Yeah, he is a Mr. Crocker. Yeah, he he's a Mr. It. Crocker. Yeah. He does say a line I really like of just him going like, it's going to be one of those weeks, isn't it? Which is, I feel like it's just him going like. Damn it, we're doing an episode right now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, he's like, like he, he's bizarrely he's, aware. He's yeah. so mad that he has to be in an episode of I Dream of Genie. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it, there was a title sequence a minute ago, wasn't there? I heard the theme music. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna go poorly for me. So so he leaves and then uh and uh Genie says, Alright, well, let's go to the bank. Next scene. At the bank. They are, in we've fact, gotten at through, a bank. We've gotten through scene one. <laughs> we're, we're doing great. All right, so, so they're at the bank. There's this gentleman, Mr. Wilford, who... Uh, how, how are we going to describe Mr. Wilford? I, you know, I, I don't know, like... How, like, he's an older gentleman. Yeah. Right. Right? Vaguely British, like all the stuffy people but in the show. But he has kind of that old-timey voice where like he might have worked in theater at some yeah. point like yeah. and, like he made the which is like an interesting time of like he might have done like oh what was it called like 
like stage shows. Yeah. Like He's vaudevillian. Yeah. It's almost vaudeville. Like he's got like very like announcery voice. Very He enunciates very clearly. John Irwin McGiver was an American character actor who made more than 100 appearances in television and motion picture over a two decade died. span. Uh, the owl-faced portly character actor with his mid-Atlantic accent and precise diction was often cast as pompous Englishmen and other stuffy aristocratic and bur- aristocratic and bureaucratic types. Okay. So I he mean, was he was in Breakfast at Tiffany's. He was in uh, some uh, American Express commercials. So um, you can pretty much figure out. And gonna go to personal <laughs> life and death. <laughs> Christ, you always do this. He um, died of a heart attack in his home. Okay, that's fine. That's sad. Uh, every time, every time we check a Wikipedia page, it's, Marty reads their grisly cause of death, which is wonderful and so makes our shows the, like, so accessible. Most unique cause of death that you've read so. Doodles far? Weaver was fucking murdered. You had that right on the like right out of the seat of your. A pants. guy who was a postman in the show for five minutes shot himself in the chest twice. Ow, he was fucking wow, murdered. He was twice. Yeah. Doodle, Doodles Weaver had some shit on some people, and he was going to write a book about it, and he was fucking murdered. Wow. Yeah. He was going to write a book called The Golden who shoots, Spike. Who shoots himself in the chest twice? Yeah, like, really? Like, yeah, wow. Who, who gets, like, ah, shot myself in the heart? Well, I still have the strength and determination to just double to, to make yeah, sure. Seriously. Yeah, but But, yeah, so the banker, like, I dream of genie is in color. When I'm picturing him in my head... He is in black and white. <laughs> I can't, I can't, His voice is in black and white. Yeah, yeah. I can't picture him in anything other than black and white. Because he is so like an it's a wonderful life motherfucker. <laughs> like he's he's because he yeah, no, he is like archetypal. He is so like fundamentally like stuffy banker. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like he he gets a little like loosey goosey with uh, Mister Bellows, where he's you know asking the interview questions and then asking like, well, why do you want this loan? And it's like, oh, it's for a boat. And it's like, ah, Moby Dick, and yeah. The, yeah. the old sea. So, all right, let, let, let's <laughs> get into this. The, the call yeah. of the bride, Moby Dick, and all that. Harumph. Let, let, let's get into that. Let's, let's explain what the fuck we're talking about to the listeners. Uh, <laughs> So, they, it really feels like he's been playing stuffy, like, very reserved, button-down banker rules. And they were just like, hey, uh, for this show, we don't really give a fuck, so you can just go off. They let him have fun. Which yeah. Is, that was refreshing. So so, so Tony and Jeannie uh, take a seat at, at the bank, and they're listening to this guy, Wilbur, this banker Wilbur, talk to a older woman uh, who was newly widowed about getting a loan. And she wants to take out a loan of $70. Her husband died and left her penniless. And she wants to take out a loan of $70 so that she can get a sewing machine and start up a business taking mm-hmm. in sewing. And that's a le- that's legit. Yeah, le- mm-hmm. legit. He's, she's, she's taking out what is essentially a small business loan. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, that's the spirit that built America. Mm-hmm. Oh, that entrepreneurial spirit. I love this. Uh, just please list out all of your property owings and every bit of capital you have. Yeah. Capitalism. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of great because, like, then she's like, I don't have any property or savings. That's why I'm trying to get a loan because I need to get a sewing machine so that I can, uh, like, support my family. Right. And this is, in like, any other thing that, like, gave a shit, he'd be like, madam? Like, he'd give a very reserved speech of, like, this bank must turn a profit and I must turn you away. And he still, and he's just like, fuck you. Like, he, 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 he like gets up, walks he, her out and is just like, when you get some property, come he, back to us. He's like the dad from Mary Poppins, but like, like on Quaaludes. Yeah. Oh he's just like, like, he's just like, you don't get to have a Christmas. Get out of my bank. 
but, but he doesn't just get like ups- throws a shoe at he her. He doesn't get upset about it at all. And like, and Tony keeps telling Jeannie, "Don't worry, it'll be fine. He's going to be a decent man. He's yeah. going to be helpful." And that doesn't happen. Jeannie mentions Earless Abdul again. She's yeah. like, "Oh, that's just like the guy that took care of Earless." Yeah, uh, Tony is the death stare that she gives him when they go yeah. sit at the table. Barbara Eden's facial expressions in this scene are fantastic. Yes. Barbara Eden is like all the cast of this show is just like. White guy, white guy, white guy. Barbara Eden carrying the show on her fucking back. Like none of yeah, very talented, very funny. Like yeah, yeah. all none of the other characters on this show are really and, anything. And animated, very animated. So yeah. she like yeah, in this scene where it's like she sits down and she's just like shooting daggers at the banker the entire time. He like walks around the table and she just like. She, she, like, stares him down. She's like a cartoon. Like, she's being so animated and, yes. like, the world is kind of so gray and mundane around her that she feels like, I mean, like, like the cartoon character. You know, this this Mr. Wilford character is in black and yeah. white. So, Jeannie <laughs> um, so coming out right against uh, capitalism. Yeah, Jeannie, yeah. fuck banks. Hell yeah. They sit so, down and Tony says that he uh, would like to apply for a loan of $1,600, yeah. right? Something like that. Uh, and... He's almost immediately rejected. This this is where Wilbur goes, Ah, yes, you want to buy a boat on the high seas. Oh, Moby Dick and all that. Pip, pip, cheerio. Literally. Not terms. Port to starboard. The line. Kind of became John Oliver at the end there. <laughs> the line, Moby Dick and all that, is very clearly such like a placeholder line of like, we'll insert him saying some sea shit here. And then they just forgot to change that. I'm just like. He just like ad-libbed it. Yeah. Just like very improvisational. But also, too, it's just. Like Ahab, like you're calling him like crazy, like hunting this like mysterious whale. Like, yeah, uh, he's just like, you're gonna go out and I don't know, hunt whales, whatever the fuck people with boats do. I have a little note here. How does NASA not pay for Tony's house? Oh, yeah, that's something I should point out. Uh, Air Force majors don't make that much money, but they don't pay for the housing. Either. That's what yeah. I okay. I wanted yeah. to ask that of like, oh, but isn't their housing kind of situated yeah. and they have like access to things like commissary yeah, where yeah. it's like so, discounted yeah. groceries and yeah. yeah, yeah. So he should have a whole bunch of stuff, but also at one point, uh, as they're going through Tony's assets and like he's got a mortgage, and he doesn't have that. All, all the only money he has with this bank is he's got a Christmas fund which has about six hundred dollars in it, and then finally Wilbur looks at Tony and is like, "Wait." Aren't you Tony Nelson, the astronaut? Mm-hmm. And at that point, it should be like, you're a goddamn American hero who's helping us beat the Russians. Here's all the money you would fuck you need. Yeah. How, how is this difficult for Tony? And yeah. Then, and th- but his the thing he says instead is, you're more likely to die horribly in space. Oh, but this isn't like he he says that, but he's like, oh, I, well, I've never dealt with a astronaut before. I don't know what'll happen if you go up there and you we can't get your money down here, yeah. which is so weird because he's referencing like banking space crime which actually happened this year oh did you hear that story so the astronaut who apparently accessed her ex-wife's bank accounts from the international space station and it's being like it might be considered one of like like the world's first like space crime oh oh, 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 technically space piracy since she was in international waters oh Oh my god, oh my god, does this mean you have to call Dr. Franz von der Dunk, professor of space law from the <laughs> University of Kansas? Have you looked this is up? That That's an actual person. He is perfect. <laughs> have you met this man? 
I, I'm just a big fan. I'm a big <laughs> fan that A, there's... Wait, like, really randomly? <laughs> so, did no. you, like... His name is Dr. Franz Vonderdunk. Vonderdunk? Vonderdunk. Slam dunk. <laughs> he is a professor of space law wow. at the University of Kansas. He's probably the only one who's a professor of space there law. There are two space lawyers that I know of. Are world. they on this case? <laughs> they, they need to be. So did you? So being a fan of space law, did you? Did that point like give you like? Did you see that moment in the episode so, when he's like, I don't know if we were gonna get money from you when you're out so in space. Here's here's the deal though, right? Like Dan took that immediately as you're going to die up yeah. there, possibly. I took that as like you're gonna skip town to space. <laughs> I took that as Wilbur is worried that you're just gonna go up into space to to like That's welch, how out, I took it. welch out on your one thousand dollar <laughs> debt. So in all of like the criteria of how they grade how credible Tony mm-hmm. is for this loan was really bizarre. Yeah. Having like worked in banking, I've just seen like well, we're in like an interesting time where it's like I feel like the rules might have been loosened up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've tightened over the past couple of decades, but there was a point in time where like 80s, 90s, early 2000s where like loans and mortgages were like just getting yeah. passed out like candy at Halloween. Like you could just be like, oh, you got like some consistent income. Here's money that you probably can't like pay back. But then banks would just sell the debt to one another. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out well for us. No, it no. didn't work out. It, it definitely didn't work out well. But like, so it was like, oh, that's cool that they are, you know, taking loans very seriously. But I was like, they're taking it, like, way too seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got a consistent job. Also, like, no talk of paying this money back. Like, it's really weird how throughout the whole episode, everyone's just like, ah, the free money mm-hmm. from the bank. And, you know, but yeah. he's got, like, $600 in a Christmas fund. So did you did you know, do you know anything about, like, Christmas clubs and how they used to work? Mm-hmm. Please explain. Okay. So... Back in the day, and there's still a lot of like credit unions and very small banks that still offer this as a banking product, but it was kind of like a, a cross between like a savings account and a CD where it was like it gains a little bit more interest than a general savings account. But as you keep depositing money into it, you cannot withdraw it until it's the Christmas season or you face penalties. Mm -hmm. So this was like a really popular banking product that like, oh, come like February, March, like people would start their Christmas clubs again. They'd save up and that would be what they would spend their money on for Christmas presents and things. And like when I worked at the bank, it was kind of when PNC was like phasing this type of account out Mm -hmm. where they were just like, oh, just call it like a normal savings account at this point. We don't do traditional like, you know, Christmas. Christmas clubs anymore, yeah. but it was really kind of fun to like be like, oh look, the Christmas clubs. It's like so whimsical. It's definitely yeah. like so like like it's a wonderful life esque. Yeah, yeah, very, very. Yeah. It's just like oh, I've gotta go to my banking branch <laughs> and withdraw the money to fuel capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they act very weird about giving giving uh, Tony this a thousand dollars. Right. But they, they know that he has 600 That's 60% that they can just grab immediately. Yeah, like, I feel like that's pretty good collateral. I feel like even, like, people put down, like, anywhere from, like, 3 to 10% for, like, a mortgage. I'm just like, that's more than enough collateral. Yeah. Exactly, collateral. Yeah, you, you know that he's good for he's at credible. least 600 of that. Right. Yeah. And also, American hero. Yes. Yeah. Just... Throwing that out there. This guy is very blatantly like, I don't give a shit that you're an American hero. He basically goes through Tony's entire life and is like, hey, just real quick, in my eyes, you fucking suck. (laughs) You're a a piece of garbage that's not worth my time. He's protecting the branch. The the bank is there to make money. And he was protecting 
the bank. All right, so so oh. so he does go to go check on uh, the status of that account. He goes yeah, to check on the and that is where he's like, I'm gonna go sneak around and uh, take a look at the bank. And Tony's like, I have no issue with this. No, he's like, don't do anything bad. And she's like, cool, yeah. And he was like, okay, that's it. Yeah, that's all I got. Oh, and, and it, she, yeah. She immediately goes and does the thing that he told her not to do. So Jeannie, Jeannie knows that she's not supposed to give Tony money. He's, Tony specifically said, don't give me a bag of gold. So what she does is just put $3 million in his Christmas account. Ba- she just so wire fraud. <laughs> she just was like cooking the books. Yeah. Cooking the, like, I'm, Yeah. All she does is just change the writing on a piece of paper. Right. Like, Which is weird to see, like, how was she able to get into that part of the bank? Yeah. Because that's where all of the accounts are. That seems like really sensitive information that she should not have any access yeah. to. And should also be more or less, like, closed off to the rest of the yeah. bank. And it's, it's not at all. It's behind, like, a like a three-foot wall. It's behind a baby gate. Her, <laughs> yes. her cover for doing this is, like, she's, like, rustling around she's in a file tab. other people's accounts. <laughs> yeah. Which should be, like more alarming that should be like like getting her like a quicker like excuse me who are you than if she was just hanging out right. we've seen her do this in nasa though we've seen her just walk into fucking nasa just looking like a secretary it's, and just, and that's it well it's kind of amazing like uh did you ever read i think it was like food no not food ink it was um fast food nation yeah. uh, so the beginning of that book starts off with like how a like how easy it is for delivery people to sometimes get into like yeah. na- like government buildings, gov- like army bases and things like that because it's like, oh, here it is, like this army complex and someone just orders out dominoes and like how easy the dominoes guy can just like infiltrate like government. <laughs> so yeah, she's a secretary. She can just like walk wherever. It I is. Guess. It's the power of fast walking where if you just look walk purposely, yes. you can get past a lot of security. It oh, weirdly yeah. works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but... Yeah, no, but the way she does it, where she, like, walks into a, a classified area, opens a filing cabinet, and starts flipping through them, it's like if she tried to uh, to pickpocket someone, and her cover for that was stealing a car. Like, <laughs> she does a bigger crime to cover up the small crime. So, so she puts $3 million in Tony's account, and then there, uh, Wilbur changes his tone immediately. And instead of giving them $1,000... Oh, before, before that, the conversation he's having is, uh, like, his boss comes up, like, how's it going today, Wilbur? And he goes, great, I'm on my seventh turn down today. Not like, how banks work. Yeah, like, that's a... Like, it's like, a good day for him. Yeah, like like the guy, like that's a him closing sales. Like the guy should be like, "Wow, you're doing horrible. <laughs> yeah. You haven't sold any banking yeah, yeah. products. It, How's this bank gonna make money?" He yeah. basically comes in and says, "Yes, I've made the bank no money today. <laughs> you should be proud of me. Put my face on the wall." Yeah, his boss should just be like, "How do you think we make money? Like at all?" <laughs> this show does not understand how banks work or how astronauts or, or magic, I, or really just like. <laughs> Money or people? But what was going on in like the writer's room? I I mean, this is also, is it, when does Bewitched kind of come onto the scene? Same same time. Yeah. Okay. So they're like weirdly competing shows. Like, I I don't know. Seems like they're just making, yeah, they're really literally making stuff up. I feel like with this show, the premise makes it so hard to have stakes. And Tony's profession is so impossible to really write sitcom situations around because it involves going to a place you can't fucking film. So, like, it almost feels like just by creating a normal sitcom out of this premise, it's like how athletes will train 
in like uh, inhospitable uh, situations, so that when they play in like a normal place, they're like they have an advantage. Like it feels like these writers oh, go so like a Dragon Ball Z hyperbolic yes. time chamber. Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> like, so much better. Yeah, it yes. feels like the writers go into like the writing room of Three's company and are just like, "Excuse me, I created a sitcom premise on I Dream of Genie. I can handle anything." <laughs> Listeners, what do you think is a better like reference? The Dragon Ball Z hyperbolic time chamber from this or our shout out to Booster Gold from the last episode? <laughs> Tell us at, at Break Mayberry on Twitter. <laughs> Moving the hell on. Jesus. We've yeah, we're on scene two. Uh, <laughs> so so Wilfred immediately turns around and he's trying to get him to take out a loan for a hundred thousand dollars or even two hundred thousand dollars. Also, uh while this before this happens, when um before Wilbur leaves, I we're we're still getting into the weeds, Jeannie's said like, Hey, I don't like this situation, Master, I can give you everything oh. you need. And he's like, There's a lot of that going on in uh Cocoa Beach. Like Yes, yeah. So there there was the comment where he calls her him master and he's like, Oh, you don't see that type of respect anymore these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wil- Wilbur's yeah. being a fucking creep. Yeah, yeah. He's being a weirdo. Uh it's like like he's like, Ah, yes, one of those Cocoa Beach S and M relationships. Great, love it. <laughs> Unperturbed. <laughs> He just like he's he's making arguments. He's like, I want to give you a loan for a hundred thousand dollars, and he, Tony's like, here are reasons why I don't need that, and is like, but you totally need a hundred and fifty thousand yeah, dollars. Incrementally keeps yeah. climbing up until it's like, oh, at a two, at two hundred thousand. Which at that point, if you've got three million in the bank, why are you not just withdrawing yeah, just the cash? You don't need a loan. Yeah, like loans are for money you don't have but can pay off as time progresses. Right. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's money you're close to having. Like I don't know, a thousand dollars when you already have six hundred. Right. Like, I don't like four hundred away. Like, you can probably get that next month. Yeah, it, it, it's for money that you are close to. Yeah. Right. And and if I have three million dollars, I don't need to take out a loan for a hundred thousand dollars. I have three million dollars. I'll just spend that. Spend that money. Yeah. Oh, but those fees from those Christmas clubs, it's not Christmas time yet. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, shit. That's how they get (laughs) you. But that's fine, dude. Just wait a couple months and get one of those boats on their Christmas, you know, famous Crazy Harry's Christmas boat sale. Yeah. It's like uh, going to uh, going to the Halloween store the day after Halloween. You can just like clean up. That's e- like is there a Black Friday knows. sale? Like when does Black Friday come onto the scene? Everyone like, knows uh, that like December fourteenth is the best day to buy a boat. Yeah, is it really? No. Oh, I was like, wait, is there, is there something I missed? <laughs> no, you were I made talking that to up. guys between the two of them that have something vaguely approaching disposable income. So. <laughs> so uh, I know more about brain surgery than buying a boat. <laughs> <laughs> don't trust you on either case. Yeah. I don't want you doing brain surgery or selling me a boat. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, plot point at one point, uh, uh, Tony's just like, hey, you know, if you're going to give all this, if you're in such a like, loan giving money, why don't you give money to that old widow that was here just a second ago? And Wilbur's like, sure. Yeah. Do you want me to do that? Is and that what gets, you want? Is that what will make you happy? And yeah, it, it becomes real groveling. And he's like, yeah. well, how much money should we give him? <laughs> give her. And Tony goes, I don't know, a thousand bucks? So he just writes it. So did Tony just put this old woman on the hook for a thousand dollar loan? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. What? He just like falsified her identity. Yeah. That's like identity theft. Yeah. You can't, you can't just get a loan for another person, a complete stranger. She, it's not like he can co-sign that. Yeah. yeah. And and now, and now that woman owes the bank $1,000. She wanted 70 
<laughs> this show doesn't understand how loans work at all. Yeah. Um, okay, so they leave. They're just like, woo, we got a loan. And uh, How much th- money does he wind up taking? Does he take the 100000 I think he just takes the 1000 Is that? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. just takes the 1000 okay. Um, And the banker just starts like... Uh, yelling the premise so far, like it turned out he had three million dollars. I got him to do a loan of one thousand. Yeah, uh, screaming very sensitive banking information. Not like, only does he say, "Hey, everybody, there's that guy that leaving is super loaded." In case any of you want to kind of, you know, do a crime he just right now, gave a loan to that older lady. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, so Major Bellows is there, standing in line. He no. overhears. And then he walks over and he's like, I'm sorry, did you just say that Major Nelson has $3 million in his account? And, and the guy's like, just like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Let, Hell let, yeah, man. Let, let, <laughs> let's confirm I don't know this. your deal, but yep. <laughs> let's yep. confirm this sensitive information. Hey, do you want to know his mother's maiden name, too? <laughs> How about his social security? <laughs> yeah. I'm just throwing out cards with my client's social security information on them. Do you, how many do you want? Come on. Like, open up your hands. I'm going to dump a couple of, uh, of pin like, numbers in there. The black market before the black market. Just selling everyone's, like, identity. <laughs> That's how the bank makes money. Identity (laughs) theft for everyone. (laughs) You know what's going to happen is we're going to go get a bank historian to come on this show, and they're going to tell us, no, that was completely legal in the 60s. You can tell anyone anything. The the overarching thing we've learned from this show is everything was legal until, like, 1978. (laughs) Wow, that's when it got real stuffy. That's when, like, all the architecture just went to brutalism. Exactly. (laughs) Like, basically the only thing preventing you from doing a crime in the 60s was just, like, politeness. Like, it would be rude to do a crime to me. So so Bellows finds out that Tony has $3 million. And here's, like, the crux of it. Like, he's really upset by it. He's like, hmm. How's Tony going to explain this? Yeah. And again, fuck off, Bellows. It's none of your fucking business. He he mentions, like, later on he threatens to court-martial Tony. For what? He doesn't say he thinks he's stealing the money from the government. Right. There's no you account can't... on the government side that's saying there's been a $3 million loss. Yeah, I... you, you can't take someone to court for having money. I can, uh, I think I have a reason for it. It is the Cold War. He is a government uh, servant in a oh, t- in a. Uh, it's the KGB. It, it's a Cold War thing. Like if you if a person within the military suddenly has three million dollars, it probably means that he's about to steal like some NASA shit and uh, and get on a, a and get on a book. Then include literally one line of him saying that. Yeah, you know where is a great no place? justification given that. Oh, great place to hide that. Christmas fund. Yeah. <laughs> no one looks at the Christmas club account. Yeah. I, that was good. I felt, I thought you were going to say, you know where's a great place to hide that? The moon. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. No one will, you, you can get some real uh, offshore, account, really, really offshore accounts. As far offshore. As far offshore as you can get. This is actually the most stakes that, any show we've ever watched has had because if Tony doesn't prove his innocence, he's going to be shot. Like he's he's going to be like like shot in the back of the head and wow. dumped in a swamp because no. they think that he was selling state secrets. No, I'm, I, that's a completely logical explanation, and I'm not going to let you make it canon because one line, literally including one line of having Bellows say that, would have made this whole thing so much yeah. better. But don't but you think it would have been dated? They like... don't. There's <laughs> no. Would that have dated the show? <laughs> 
they don't care about being dated. We've talked about this. <laughs> you mean? Because 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 they they didn't have a, a sense of reruns like at this point. They didn't figure like no, that people would still not. be watching it 30, 40 years later. Wow. So they didn't give a shit about it being dated. They didn't imagine people like us existing. They were like, oh, we're just filling airtime. Yeah. Yeah. So so no, like like every that's a, every episode of a sitcom back then was like, congratulations, you're twenty two minutes closer to death. <laughs> So yeah, Dan, great explanation. I'm not allowing. I'm gonna veto it. Okay, because this shows this episode still sucks shit because they didn't mention that. Uh, okay, so on from the yelling. Uh, <laughs> so where were we? Okay, so Bellows has resolved to like I'm gonna get to the bottom of this three million dollars. Why? Um, it's none of your business. But at this point, like how smug Tony is, yeah. like he thinks, like, oh, that was easy. I'm just like a real credible guy. Uh, yeah, he's like, like, oh, I have so much charisma. I think I'll go down there and work out another loan. <laughs> yes, he's, he thinks it was his charm and like how good of a guy he is that at, got him the loan. At one point in time, Tony says uh, they bring back the Abdul thing, and he was like, Tony was like, yeah, see that? I managed to get an to get a loan, and they didn't take my ears. They don't take your ears. For taking out the loan, yeah. Tony. That's not the part where your ears get taken. <laughs> they take out you your ears later. Yeah. Do you not? You're not even understanding your own racist thing. <laughs> Every single episode, I like rapidly waver between like, does the show know that Tony is a goon, or is that on accident? Because like some episodes would be like, oh no, the show's into it. He's supposed to be an absolute clown. Well, yeah, and, and it, I think it's actually like a great depiction of like how men could just like surf on their waves yeah. of media. Like through and just stumble into success and yeah. stumble into like Be- you know beautiful wives and expensive dinners and not you know not think about it. Yeah, behind every great man is a magical woman with no belly button. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, there is like an and I I still can't tell how intentional it is, but there is like a a feminist critique in this show of like his overwhelming mediocrity, but he's unaware of how much of his, cause he'll just go through, there'll be entire episodes. It's like Tony going, I'm great at doing blank thing. And it's just her sitting behind him. Just like, Blinking things into existence to make him not yeah, suck. Yeah, like, he doesn't have any of the wherewithal of, like, oh, I didn't have this talent before. Yeah. I didn't work hard at all for this, and but I can do it. And he keeps forgetting that his pop sort of girlfriend is, like, magic. He keeps just right. being like, that's definitely not an explanation for anything. You know, yeah. I, I, I didn't realize it until I was looking at the notes just now. But this, this scene, that we can almost just entirely skip this scene, because it basically just exists so that... Tony can update the viewer if they were in the other room. Yeah. Like, oh, we just, yes. We, we came back from commercial, and now there's this small scene where Tony kind of, like, updates us from now on. He tells Roger what's going on. There's, like, one cute bit where uh, Roger's, like, downstairs, and Jeannie pops him, like, blinks him up. Wow, I forgot about this oh. scene. Yeah. Yeah. I totally it, forgot it, it, about it. It's a pointless scene, and we can skip it. I just want to say that there's, like, a cute cute bit between uh, Roger oh, and, uh, and... There was some actual chemistry like, between them. I was like, so is much, there a relationship between them? There's so much more ke- more chemistry between the actor that plays Roger and uh, and yeah. Barbara Eden than there is between Tony and, and Roger. Yeah, Because she's, like, like, fucking with him. But and, and also because, like, Roger's a better character yeah. and a better actor and, like, more fun to have on screen. Yeah. But, yeah, she, she, she's, like, messing with him and teasing him, like, like threatening to blink him uh, downstairs. Blink him back downstairs. Because he doesn't like it when she blinks him upstairs. And he's like, don't, don't do it, I'll walk. And she, like... Puts her hands together and teases him like like to yeah. fake him out. It's a cute moment. It's a real good moment. 
Otherwise, this scene is pointless. Uh, the only thing that we know now is that uh, Roger knows that Tony has the money. Right. Uh, really? The, I like that he establishes that he doesn't like being teleported because the real reaction to that would just be like screaming and then throwing up. <laughs> just being, what does that do to the body? Does yeah. he break down molecularly and then come back together within an instant? Yeah. Just, like, some, like some Galaxy Quest shit? Like, yes. Just, like, what if he were to come back with like his arms reversed or his like, you know, heart missing or like, just I think that could happen. Just the shock of see of being one place and then suddenly being a completely different place would like take months to like psychologically to recover process. from. You'd be like, I moved faster than is possible. Right. And, 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 like he literally just goes from like like he's downstairs, he's about to ring the door he just rang the doorbell and now he's in, Roger's here. And and now he's in the upstairs bedroom. And That's he's, it. Like, and he's just like God Damn it, Jeannie, you made me transcend space and time. And honestly, man, if, if if you're gonna make me like deal with all that with my body and the weird like psychological issues, you might as well put me somewhere cool, not your fucking upstairs bedroom. Yeah. Like if you're gonna teleport me, do it across the uh, across the yeah, world. There's really no point. Put for me that. in Paris. Like <laughs> yeah, not yeah. somewhere where I could fucking walk. So we're approaching so, a scene that I kind of liked. Uh, okay, so, so when we're, they're we're, in the office. Yeah, so we're back in the office now. To- now Tony and uh, Roger are in the office. They're looking at uh, boats, like they're looking at centerfold, basically. Like, yeah. oh, look at this sexy thing. <laughs> look at Ro- the sails on her. Yeah, Ro- Roger <laughs> wants to buy a, a more expensive boat than they have. Blah blah blah. They're just talking about it. Uh, Genie appears because Roger understands that they have a, that they have magic. Yeah, Roger understands like we can have this boat if we want. What? Yeah. So, so Genie appears wearing a very delightful little sailing skirt and a turtleneck T-shirt. I've never seen one of oh, those. Oh, it's like a dicky, you know, yeah, like it, in a Christmas vacation where uh, like the the what was it? The uncle's wearing like a white sweater, but there's like a black dicky. Oh it was, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, fake, yeah, yeah. Fake collar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And it looks adorable. It's uh, cute. And Tony says he likes it. And so playing with him, Jeannie's like, boom, you're wearing that now. <laughs> oh, yes. That was delightful. <laughs> Which, like, I wonder how long they had to freeze for him to change into the outfit and then come back into the frame. Yeah, because to make this, everyone else has to go to stop. And yeah. hold it. And wait. Yeah. Good use of this audio medium, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys you can pick up from context clues what I was doing with my body. <laughs> This must have been such a fucking nightmare to film because every scene, like, every time Jenny teleported, everyone had to, like, freeze. And then he had to go back and stand in the exact same position. I wonder wonder if they made uh, Tony's suit Velcro. I wonder if they made uh, the actor's suit Velcro and have him put on the other costume underneath. Probably not, but that's hilarious. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Well, because it's yeah, it's like a mid-length skirt, and I don't know how that would fit like in his pants. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Anyway, so uh, so now he's in the like mid-length skirt in the cute outfit. Uh, Genie disappears because Major Bellows comes in, and Major Bellows is like, "What? What are you wearing? Why are you wearing this? What the hell?" They get they do some surprisingly tame dude dressed like a lady jokes like yes which is bizarre because this is also a time during like the don't ask don't tell yeah. and here it is it's like well this like I think would have gotten him might have been like got him gotten him it kicked was, out of the military it was yeah. quite literally a recurring gag on Mash yeah that Klinger yeah. kept cross dressing because he wanted to get kicked out oh yeah yeah. yeah yeah and and yeah like I was really expecting him to be like ha ha you're just like a lady but everyone was like. Huh. Okay. Yeah, they're like, uh, this is a little odd, but I'm not really reacting to it. And I was like, 
was, this is the thing that this show is going to be cool about? <laughs> I mean, great, but like, and not cool, well, but like, he wasn't that stressed out because he got him on the hook for something yeah. else. Right, right, at right. Three million. Right. He's like, hey, have you recently come into a large sum of money? Has anyone left you any money lately? And Tony's like, no, that's fucking weird. Uh, yeah. Bye. Uh, but he also says that like he and uh, Roger are rehearsing for a Christmas play, Christmas like a sailing yeah. number. Uh, and he, he to, to sell it, he's like, Roger, you've got the next the next line. And Roger's like, uh, yeah, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and walks away. Didn't want to deal with is, it. Roger's the best fucking character on this show. Oh, hands down. Well, yeah. Outside of the, Genie. The yeah, best, outside the of best Genie. non-Genie character. Yes. Um, uh, which is not a hard competition. between. It's between him and two other dudes. That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Um, um, one of them is like, I think, intentionally the worst. Uh, so 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 Bellows like he leaves. Bellows Jeannie is like, back. stay right here. I'm don't move. I'm gonna go to the general and tell them that you're you have three million dollars in a dress on. I'll be right back. And, and then this, and, and, I, and the, the, the general's response should be, huh? Good for him. No. So Wait. the the com- I love the scene with the general because it has so much information in it. Where he's like, okay, so you're telling me that he has three million dollars in uh uh and a dress on. I think you're fucking crazy, and yes. you come at these with you come to me with these so much that I have permanently started questioning your sanity. Oh, but there's also the talk of him going through psychoanalysis again. Yeah, he's like, if this is another one of your vivid hallucinations, you're going through psychoanalysis again. So he has got. He, Tony has compromised this man's sanity to the point he has gaslit him so effectively that he's like getting sectionated. Yes. Yeah. 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 Section nine. What's what's the? You're, se- you're right. The first time. First time. Section eighted. Yeah. No. Like they've. He's driven a man insane. Which, like, at the first time you go through psych- psychoanalysis, I would just be like, you know what? I'm not even gonna like bring him into my world. I'm not gonna pay attention to what Tony's doing. But he just like gets sucked into it again. And here's the thing, right? We're talking like like 1960s psychology. Like we're like it's People very were essentially getting shocked. Yeah, until... it's very yeah. it's very mm-hmm. likely that this man is now being electrocuted, having his nipples electrocuted because of this. Like, yeah. Just, like, it's kind of crazy that the show just acknowledges, like, there's a man in the background of this show being broken, like, (laughs) week by week. Yes, why are we not talking about that? Yeah, the gaslighting, the, uh, like, what stress they're putting Bellows through. No, like, because Bellows' options are pretend that he didn't see a boat in a guy's living room, or B... Believe his eyes and like try and also, to. Where are the repercussions aside from going through psychoanalysis? Like, how has he not been demoted yeah. from his position? Your so, campaign of least, harassment against this one dude. At least one man loses his job as a result of genie shenanigans, and the really? only and, in, in this episode, at least oh, one definitely. man goes to prison. Yeah, and possibly goes to prison. And 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 the only reason why Bellows doesn't lose his job is because they need him for the next episode. Yeah, right. But like, uh, so. Uh, Jeannie reveals what she did. Tony yells at her. Uh, Bellows and the general enter. They talk about, uh, they, they lie about the play again, blah, blah, blah. This is where, uh, Bellows threatens to court martial Tony for no reason. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a Russian asset. Maybe that was implied. Maybe people got that at the time. And, uh, maybe it was just one of those things that was so common that you didn't really have to say it out loud. And and they say, all right, well, we're all going to the bank. Yeah. Uh, So he drags everybody down to the bank. Jeannie pops up. To say to no one, oh, I did it again. Mm-hmm. Just look at the camera. Wow, Ricky, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is 
100% her. Did I do that? Did I do that? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of like a, not, I don't know. Is that a, one of her catchphrases? Or? I, I mean, if so, it's terrible. It's terrible. And I can see why it didn't make it into the lexicon because it's really just like her going, ah, shit. <laughs> so, they, so they go Damn back. Damn it. We're going to kind of rush to the finish here because like a whole bunch of stuff happens at once. They go back to the bank, but right before they show up, uh, an auditor comes to Wilford and it's like, hey, you don't have three million dollars. If, to- if Tony Nelson has three million dollars, then we're missing three or three million, $3 million dollars. That's kind yeah. of the crazy thing is she didn't just put three million dollars into Tony's she bank account. She had all these transactions. Yeah, she, she moved it from someone else's account. Yeah, she into can, his account. She can create money. We've seen she. She's like the fucking mint. <laughs> she could have just changed the numbers on his like sheet, but she took the time and the effort to commit wire fraud. <laughs> So, so yeah, this guy is definitely losing his fucking job, right? He just right. like he's missing three million dollars, and the federal auditor is just like, so I've tracked everything down to your department because apparently this federal audit took no time at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I conducted a federal audit of Over this the entire bank of an afternoon. in this afternoon. What? Well, yeah, so. It's not just that he's getting fired because they're not like you fucked up. They're like so under your watch. $3 million moved from somewhere else into the bank, into the bank account of this guy that you oh, were talking to, to get today. This, this takes a lot of time. Like, I've been involved in a couple of bank audits, like, mm. where, where, like, you know, I, I worked at a branch that was, like, like in an area like there had been like a few robberies like luckily i'd never actually been involved in one the closest i got was like i was leaving and i held the door for the person who inevitably like robbed the bank but like we had a situation where like in like an inside job where like thousands of dollars went missing and you do you have to like sit there and wait and you count Every single cent in that bank, and it takes hours. It is long and grueling, and you cannot like close the branch. You can't. No one can leave because yeah. it's got to be someone that's like in the bank that yeah. might have taken it. I've been a federal auditor. I have conducted Oof. audits, and uh, it's in, grueling. It takes months. It takes mm. forever, and it sucks. It's a terrible thing to do. You can't just do it and be like I've tracked it down to your department. This is in your department. This is all you. Oh. <laughs> And then he just walks off like like that guy gets like three lines and is just like here's here's the crux of this and then leaves. So, yeah, this guy's definitely getting fired. This bank dude is definitely losing his fucking job and maybe going to prison. I maintain that they're pretty like pretty strongly like, hey, guess who's going to jail? It's you because <laughs> like you lied about because the so Jeannie she's changes... like Kyle Chandler in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, <laughs> like um because Jeannie uh. Changes the numbers that uh, Tony has three million. Makes him go. I swear to God, there's three million dollars in this man's account. And then while the papers are in his hands, changes them back. So she basically made him lie about how much money was on a right. sheet. And, right. And then and there's still she doesn't put the the numbers back. She doesn't change the other records. She just put it on to. Bellows she puts account? it on Bellows' tab. Right. Oh, you're right. That's what's weird about, to me. So I'm like, there's still a discrepancy in yeah, this bank. Right. It's not all solved because right. it's in Bellows' account and, now. And, 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 then, and, then, and then they're just like, Bellows is like, well, I'm going to go for psychoanalysis in the morning. And then they fade to black. Like, that's it. That's the end. That's no, the show. You haven't resolved anything. Both there's... of these men are going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like the money is still, like, not accounted for. It's just, like, that's... To leave the show on that is, like, a big cliffhanger yeah. of, like, where did all this... Where did it come from? And also, where did it go? Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank God you said it because it was about to explode. I was going to do it. I yeah. was going to do it. Um, and that's, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Time for the stinger. Yeah, you can't, especially like back then by that, you can't have a $3 million whoopsie daisy. Like it wasn't, no. it's not, it doesn't happen. No. Like I forgot to carry the one I moved. I mean, it did happen, but like in Enron. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and, to, and like by billions, but yeah. Yeah, no, you uh you you carried the wrong number for like what's got to be like 60% of this bank's holdings. Uh Exactly. Yeah. Oh, cuz this might have also been a time where like the bank actually had to have a certain amount of liquid assets in its reserves in order to compensate like if a bunch of people, because it was a protection from, like, I guess, like, the when the market had crashed in the 1920s, there was, like, these protections put in place that were, like, oh, you need to have X amount of actual cash on reserve just in case a bunch of people just start withdrawing their mm-hmm. money and putting it under under their mattress, yeah. which is, like, sometimes what would happen, mm-hmm. like, because people would get really stressed out about the economy. But, yeah. <laughs> quick note, quick note, uh, $3 million in 1967 is $23,062,185 today. Jeez. $23 million is the amount of money we're talking Everyone about Everyone right is now. so chill about this, except Bellows, who is the only person that's like, this is weird, man. Oh, he's so calmly like, oh, uh, go back to the, the funny farm. Yeah, he's, he's just like doing like the Rodney Dangerfield collar oh, pull. Like, oi, vey, oh. I'm in some trouble here. Oh, yeah, wah, 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 And then it just like fades. Yeah, fades to black. Really weird. I'm on the hook for a couple of felonies. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, boy, fellas. <laughs> this is going to be hard to explain to my wah, wife. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> It's so dumb. The show is so dumb. Yeah, so what, were, what was the big thing that you really hated? Because you said you hated this I, episode. You know, I, I, I really disliked it the first time I watched it. I watched it twice. Uh, the first time I was like, this makes no sense. The internal logic of this is so inconsistent. I can't – and I had trouble following it, to be honest, because I, I, I had to sit go back and be like – why, why is Bellows mad about this? Did I miss this? Oh, no, they just didn't explain it. Yeah, they really, like, forced the plot along on this one, especially when you were talking about, like, where the auditor comes in, drops, like, three sentences. Like, that's only to move the plot along. Yeah, right. Because they did try to cram a lot into this episode for 22 minutes. You you know what is a fun thing? Like, what is the moral of this story, do you think? Because oh, I, feel point, like, yeah. I feel like it starts out with, like, a moral argument it's trying to make and then just steers into a shopping mall. Yeah. Like it's Blues Brothers. <laughs> we should work hard for it. Oh, wait, no, wait. No. When it fades to black, there's a moment, there's a weird joke at the end where it's like, well, at least we're not, like, on a raft in the middle of the, like, stormy oh, water. Oh, no, no, no. There's, there's, there's one last scene. There's one last scene. Uh, back at the house, Tony is surprisingly chill about this. Because, like, as he's off the hook for the felonies now. Yeah. Uh, and... My sort of enemy is going to jail. Cool. Uh, they talk about that widow who can buy a sewing machine. Now apparently she's just got an entire garment shop. Now she's got a dress shop, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this weird bit uh, where they're just talking about what an uptight stuffed shirt that guy Wilbur is. And he'd be so much better off if he, like, got out on the, it was like, on a boat or something. You know, if, he, if he could feel the wind in his hair, Moby Dick and all that. And uh, then she would... transports the three of them onto a raft in the middle of the ocean. They're all like, oh, and God. And stormy waters, yeah. but also weirdly blue sky in the background. And 
What, so after that, how the fuck are they going to explain this to the banker? They're not going to be like, we were doing a Christmas play, and that's why we're all on a raft in the middle of the ocean. Uh, yeah, they can't explain, explain that one away. No, they're going to have to, like, I don't know if they can mind wipe people, but they if they can't, they have to kill him. I mean, I guess. <laughs> oh, gosh. Dan, here in the notes you have a quote the, where they ask what happened to poor Dr. Bellows. How do they follow up on that? What do they say happened no, to Dr. No, Bellows? No, they say, like, uh, they, they specifically, they say, like, oh, it's a shame what happened to poor Dr. Bellows. Oh, yeah. So what happened to him? Something happened. <laughs> it's bad. Enough for them to go, oh, we're not even going to say what Ooh. it is. Yeah. Because, you know why? Because the writers just didn't want to come up with it. They, like, they yeah, didn't want, like they didn't every episode, when it ends, it's just an etch-a-sketch that they shake to erase and then right. run a clean slate for right. the next week. Because, again, they had no, they did not expect that like dickbags like us would be thinking about this later on. They, it, it really sounds like they did so much electroshock therapy that he can't see colors anymore. <laughs> like, they broke him on this one. Um, but Crazy so, for this one, Jeannie. So I feel like the moral of this starts to be at the beginning, like, banks are bad. Because they're like, they go in, and the banker is really mean to the widow, and he doesn't give her the money she needs. And then he goes and talks to his boss, and and he's like, I just denied a loan to that widow. And the boss is like, (laughs) hell yeah, do it exactly what the bank wants you to do. High five. Hell yeah. Let's do that cool hot Top Gun high five where we do over and then under. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, like, and so you think, like, okay, they're going to talk about why banks suck. And then Tony is like, no, banks fucking rule. It's that guy who's a dick. That's why he's in federal prison right now. <laughs> yeah. Innocent people go to jail and go to psychoanalysis for no reason except for you know for Tony's own to get to get him off scotch free. And at no point in to- is Tony ever like, "Oh, so I wasn't super charming and I didn't get that loan on my own?" Like, no, no Tony accountability whatsoever. Nothing. Yeah. Tony learned. I'm going to say it. We talk we talk shit about Barney Fife a lot on this show. I think Tony might be worse than Barney Fife. Tony is a like a totem of of male mediocrity. Like he looks like the most like square, like like yeah. generated by a computer dude, and said, he's just like said it before. It's Bill Hader's voice coming out of Rob Lowe's face. Like, <laughs> wow, yeah. he looks like the protagonist in like an N sixty four shooter. Like he looks like he did not take very much effort to render and. He's just supposed to be like firing guns at, He's at the everyman. ninjas. Yeah, if every man yeah. were an astronaut, they, they, they gave him the per- they gave him the coolest job. They gave him the hot girlfriend, and he's still miserable because he sucks as a person. Yeah, because yeah. he's just a terrible waste of human being. I because if no, he, he really everyone's explained him like your girlfriend is magic. She can do literally anything and she loves you and she wants to do whatever she can to make you happy. And he's like... He's just so all unsatisfied. Yeah. And he's so like, so I can have big dinners? And they're like, the show's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you man. can do that. You can do that. Do you want to do anything else? He's like, big dinners, that sounds great. <laughs> I am going to enjoy so many big dinners. Except, End of thought. <laughs> except later on, because we've seen this happen where he's like, oh, I could use... I could use her powers to do anything. <laughs> when he actually gets the powers himself and then uses it to fix her hair. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> That's it. That's all he does. And, and like, we're, we, we look at Healy and Healy is, like, the heel. Like, yeah. Like, he's, like, we make fun of her. He's supposed to be, like, the goofy sidekick or whatever. He's the wacky one because he wants to use these magic powers yeah. to get a boat, which seems... <laughs> 
fairly reasonable, yeah. honestly. Like, in the grand scale of things, Healy just wants to use Genie's powers to have a boat and a pool. Also, since when in, like, the mythology of what a Genie does, does the Genie actually, like, give more than three wishes? Like, yeah. this is infinite wishes? Oh, How did that deal come about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't wish for more wishes. However, like, generally, though, aren't, aren't and I'm just pulling stuff out of my ass, but aren't, aren't Genie's... Tricksters, like isn't there isn't always right, a, monkey paw, like a monkey paw situation? Like exactly. every time you make a wish, there's some kind of like ironic repercussion. There's like, lessons, which there were no lessons in this episode, no. as you had referenced. No, Joan, like Tony is doing the monkey paw part himself. Like it's like the <laughs> Twilight Zone episode with a genie, but and she's yeah. just like, here's the magic part, and he's like, cool, I'm just gonna monkey paw this up real and fast. He messes it up because yeah. he does get exactly what he wants, but it's just like not to his standard. He's still unsatisfied. Like the genie episode of Twilight Zone, the the thing is like, I'm going to give you $10 million, and then the tax guy shows up and is like, but I'm going to take all of it because taxes. But in this, it's like, I'm going to give you $10 million, and then Tony's like, cool, cool, cool. Hello, tax guy? <laughs> Tony narc on him. $10 million for you to take away. Yeah, Tony is such a narc, he narcs on himself. He absolutely does that. Because, again, and, and I realize we would have no episode, but this really should have just been like, I would like a boat. Here's a boat, master. Cool. Directed by Hal Cooper. Okay. All right, all right. So, Kate, you you really did like this, even though we just spent past ninety minutes shitting on it. Oh no, no, it was it was kind of fun. I mean, I think I liked it because it was bad and campy, and because I I went into it kind of being like, oh. This is a corny. This is a corny show. Corny yeah. premise. And the, the camp factor is real high. It is most, oh, most of the show's enjoyability. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty intense. Yeah, but that's what you know. That's what made it fun. I I enjoyed it just because it was like like all the episodes we've had so far have been like fairly tight. Like we've kind of had to like squeeze for ridiculous logic a little bit. And on this, it was like, oh, this episode's messy. I love it. Oh, it's through <laughs> the roof, which is like kind of interesting. Like, is it because it's in the middle of season two when they're just like, oh, the ratings are through the roof. We could do anything. Yeah, yeah. They, they haven't quite figured out what the show is yet. Right. Some yeah. of the other episodes we've done were later in the in the because we're because we're not going by order by this time. They're That's... really like testing the waters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, boat pun. <laughs> hey. hey. Uh, uh, all right, I'm gonna say that's gonna wrap it up. We're not rating these we're, anymore. We're uh, closing on a boat pun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's go out strong. Okay, where can uh, listeners find all your stuff and what they can they say oh, or see? Yeah, sure. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, both accounts are at Kalani says. Um, you can watch. Uh, Check Please Philly on WHYY Channel 12 in the Philadelphia region. Um, if you're not in the Philadelphia region, it'll be airing on the PBS app. Um, and that show comes out January 9th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, yeah. Hmm. And if you want to read my work, it's on uh, 10best.com or you can just Google my name. Everything comes up. And we'll <laughs> have that yes. stuff down in the uh, show notes as well. Uh, all right, so thank you all for listening as usual, uh, for to listening to bottle episodes, this weird experiment that we're doing. Yeah, uh, it's just going pretty well, I feel like. Y- you all know the deal. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can get on us at, at Break Mayberry. I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. Uh, you can get at us if you want to send us an email. Send us at BreakingMayberry at gmail.com, Patreon.com slash BreakingMayberry, Facebook.com slash BreakingMayberry, uh, all of the above. 
Um, and, th- and that is it for this episode. Uh, until next time, remember that you cannot put your genie back in the bottle. Genie in a bottle, baby. Come, come, come on and let me out.